Hello, and welcome to the podcast that helps you win the race Christ has marked out for you. No Christian man wants to fail Jesus, but how do we keep our inner fire to live for him burning hot when our failure, disheartening circumstances, and seemingly unanswered prayers pour buckets of water on those flames? This is the question we answer today as we consider an approach to discipleship that ignites the heart. Thanks for joining us today as we begin a brand new second season of Mission Focus Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle. Discipleship is at its core a response to Jesus' call, follow me. In Matthew 4, for example, we read, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. And he said to them, follow me. A few weeks later, we read, Jesus saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. When we remember that discipleship is our response to Jesus' call, our walk with Christ is fueled by the heart passion we need. Os Guinness points this truth out. He writes, calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion, dynamism, and direction lived out as a response to his summons and service. Let's consider why remembering that the Christian life is a call from Jesus refuels our passion for obedience to him. First, Christ's call to us is personal, from Jesus to us. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a called one. Our calling as Christians is first and foremost a call to someone, Jesus, not to something, such as fatherhood or practicing law or teaching. Neither is our primary calling to somewhere, such as the inner city or Denver, that Christian life is primarily responding to a call from the lips of Jesus. There can be no calling unless there is a caller. The point is that our everyday mission is personal. It is Jesus who planned us from before the creation of the world and sovereignly drew us to himself with the cords of love, which is what the technical theological term calling means. It is Jesus who gave his life for us, who alone is worthy of our unwavering allegiance. His call is not a casual suggestion. And he is so awe-inspiring and his summons so commanding that only one response is appropriate, a response as total and universal as the authority of the caller. Discipleship is the natural and right response to the Lordship of Christ. But not only is discipleship our personal response to Jesus' call, his call is personally addressed to us. Oskinis writes, the caller sees and addresses us as individuals, as unique, exceptional, precious, significant, and free to respond. He who calls us is personal as well as infinite and personal in himself, not just to us. 
So we who are called are addressed as individuals and invited into a relationship. I have called you by name, God said. We are known with an intimacy that is a source of gratitude and soul-shivering wonder. The one calling me knows all of my sinful ways, weaknesses, and frailties, yet he calls me to himself and to his mission for my life. He chose me, not because of anything in me, yet Jesus' words, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, have tremendous power to ignite our passion. He chose us for this mission. God's call begins by singling us out. What an honor. What a privilege. What a responsibility. Now, what am I going to do about it? Will I live a life worthy of my calling? Discipleship is a personal response to a personal call from Jesus. Second, starting each day remembering my life is about responding to Jesus' call also ignites our hearts by giving purpose to our lives. Deep in our hearts, we all want to find and fulfill a purpose bigger than ourselves. Knowing that what I do today matters can inspire us to heights we could never reach without that sense of personal purpose. Here are some ways that knowing our purpose energizes us from Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. He writes, first, knowing your purpose gives meaning to your life. We were made to have meaning. When life has meaning, emotional strength is marshaled, and you can bear almost anything. Without meaning, nothing is bearable. Second, knowing your purpose simplifies your life. It defines what you do and don't waste energy doing. It helps you avoid the stress of trying to do too much. Third, knowing your purpose focuses your life. It concentrates your effort and energy on what's important, adding joy because you avoid distractions and succeed where it matters most. Fourth, knowing your purpose motivates your life. Purpose always produces passion. Nothing energizes like a clear purpose. On the other hand, passion dissipates when you lack purpose. It's usually meaningless work, not overwork, that wears us down, saps our strength, and steals our joy. Fifth, knowing your purpose prepares you for eternity. At the end of the race marked out for us, when we look back, all that will matter to us is how closely we have listened to Jesus, how well we have answered his call. So answering the call of our Creator provides us the ultimate reason for everything we do in life. It's the highest source of purpose in existence. Not only does living out of our calling energize us because discipleship becomes personal, it further ignites our passion because it links our everyday activities to God's highest purposes for our lives. Heart-ignited discipleship also results from having a clear picture of what Jesus' call to follow him as his disciples actually looks like day by day. To have compelling objectives for our lives as Christ's disciples awakens and focuses our energy. To forge this clear picture, though, we need to understand what the term disciple meant in Jesus' day. 
First, since bands of disciples with their masters were common during Jesus' lifetime, everyone knew that a disciple, the Greek word is mathetes, had the deepest kind of personal friendship with the master. He was devoted to his master as they walked through life together. So, every Christian's calling begins with the call to Christ, to enjoy a love relationship with him. This first part of our calling is expressed in the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus also said to his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. In other words, the bullseye of our mission objective as Christ followers is enjoying and deepening our love relationship with Christ. As you and I get up to start work tomorrow morning, our highest mission objective is loving Christ and marinating our souls in his unconditional love for us. Being called to Christ means being intentional about building my love relationship with him. Here are a few practical reminders for growing this bond of allegiance. First, be honest with the Lord. Let him know if you're angry with him or don't even want to talk with him. If you've been resisting his promptings and don't feel like obeying him, ask him to make you willing to obey him, or at least willing enough to ask to be made willing to obey him. Second, express sincere thanks to God for his blessings. This discipline builds the character of gratefulness, which softens our hardened hearts. Thank him for making you spiritually alive when you were dead in your sin, empowering you to look to him in faith. Third, be eager to get to know God better. This may happen by taking note of God's attributes that you observe in Scripture, by reading the Gospels again and again, because Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God, or by reading books like Knowing God by J.I. Packer or The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Fourth, bother God with the little things in your life. I love the J.B. Phillips translation of Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything whatever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer, and the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will keep constant guard over your hearts and minds as they rest in Christ Jesus. Nothing is too small to take to our great high priest, who fully empathizes with all of our weaknesses. And finally, remember that the key to spiritual fruitfulness is growing this bond that is abiding in Christ. It is our connection to Christ that gives us the power to overcome our sinful nature and produce the fruit of the Spirit, godly attitudes in our hearts. I am the vine, you are the branches, said Jesus. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So the first part of our calling addresses the core issue of our heart's primary loyalty, asking who is our first love? Being called to Christ means we will have no other gods in his place, allowing no person or thing to usurp his place as first in our affections. We delight ourselves in the Lord. We don't allow his earthly blessings to compete with love for him, but make us more grateful to him for such blessings. The second part of our calling addresses the issue of our inner attitudes. Who are we going to be like on the inside? 
Everyone living in Jesus' day knew that the disciple patterned his whole life on the teaching and example of his master. In fact, the disciple's greatest goal was to be like his master. Being Christ's disciple then means being called to be like Christ, to Christ-like character. This second part of our mission is described by Peter when he writes, God has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Jesus revealed this prominent part of his mission that is, our heart attitudes being transformed by beginning his portrait of kingdom living in Matthew 5 through 7 with eight kingdom attitudes that reveal the new transformed humanity. My version of this attitude summary is humility, grief over the damage caused by sin, surrender to Christ as the horse yields to its master's reins, hunger and thirsting for the restoration of rightness to the universe, having a heart of mercy toward the sinful and wounded, making decisions driven by unselfish motives, living out a commitment to restore broken relationships, and a willingness to suffer by taking a stand for what is right. So tomorrow morning, our mission is to show Jesus to whomever God has placed in our world by demonstrating attitudes like these, because we are called to be like Christ. The third part of our calling addresses the issue of our actions. What am I to do? How am I to serve Christ? This third aspect of discipleship was also much better understood in Jesus' day than it is today. Jesus' followers knew that a disciple enlisted in the cause of his master. Back then, they understood that cause. Not that the gospel is just the good news of personal private salvation and eternal life insurance policy to be signed, but the good news that the second Adam has come to overthrow Satan's sin and death, fix everything that is broken by sin, and establish the rule of his kingdom of righteousness over planet Earth. This mission is what Jesus was talking about when he taught his disciples to pray, may your kingdom come. And Jesus was not saying that one of the five pillars of daily prayer is to ask Jesus every day to come back to earth soon. Rather, Jesus explained what he meant in the words that follow this instruction in Matthew 6.10. Jesus' words are, may your kingdom come. Then he explains what he means. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there is no sin. Righteousness reigns. The kingdom coming refers to the advance of Christ's kingdom of righteousness over earth. The more that happens, the more the kingdom of earth will be like the kingdom of heaven. That is what it means to pray for God's kingdom to come, that God's righteousness from heaven will spread over the earth. That is what Jesus was talking about when he commanded his followers, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is the rule of King Jesus and his righteousness over the loyalties of our heart, over our heart attitudes, and over every inch of the planet, which Jesus claims as his own. In other words, the rule of King Jesus and his righteousness over our heart loyalties is the first part of our calling, called to Christ to enjoy a love relationship with him. 
The rule of King Jesus and his righteousness over our heart attitudes is the second part of our calling, called to be like Christ, to Christ-like character. The rule of King Jesus and his righteousness over every square inch of the planet refers to the third part of our calling, called to exercise dominion for Christ, that is, to implement Christ's agenda in our role as husbands, fathers, employee or employers, neighbors, church members, stewards of resources he has entrusted to us, and as ambassadors of the kingdom over every sphere of life. Jesus' discipleship call to you to follow him means believing that God has specifically placed you in every sphere of relationships you have, your family, friends, work associates, neighbors, church body, so that you will devote yourselves to accomplishing his righteous agenda there. You and I were not placed in the middle of these relationships by accident. It is in those specific spheres that you and I are to bring about Jesus' agenda. Loving our wives and children well, loving our neighbor well, advocating for human dignity and justice in the workplace, and so on. By the way, the purpose of this podcast is to identify Christ's specific agenda in each of those spheres. So we have seen that when we view our everyday lives through the lens of Jesus' personal call to us as his disciples, our heart passion is ignited. The problem is that the voice of his calling is drowned out by so many other voices demanding our attention. So one of the chief hindrances to effective discipleship today is men's tendency to live driven lives rather than called ones. Over the years, I've compiled and presented the following portrait of the driven man to hundreds of men who have said, wow, that's me. Here's that portrait. A, his life is hectic and very fast-paced, yet doesn't seem to have a very clear direction. B, often his life seems out of control. He bounces off of whatever happens to be in front of him. C, he spends 98% of his time and energy focused on the outer world, giving his inner private world the leftovers. D, he is haunted by vague doubts about whether he is really following God's priorities for his life. E, he's very busy, exhausted by the pace of life, yet inwardly not that fulfilled. Tired, bored, unmotivated, he feels like his heart somehow got left behind. F, he has little sense of clear mission for his life. At work, he has goals, strategy, priorities, a plan, but in his personal spiritual life, he reacts his way from day to day. G, truth be told, he's not really leading his home very well. He has vague goals and little sense of direction and virtually no game plan as the spiritual leader of his home. Gordon MacDonald, in his book, Ordering Your Private World, argues that men are leading driven lives because the sound of Jesus' call is not heard above the clamor of our outer world. He writes, Our public worlds are filled with a seeming infinity of demands upon our time, our loyalties, our money, and our energies. And because these public worlds of ours are so visible, so real, we have to struggle to ignore all their seductions and demands. They scream for our attention and action. The key to passionate, heart-driven discipleship is turning our back on the driven lifestyle. 
When we get alone with Jesus into our private inner world where we can hear his call, our heart is ignited with a passion to be faithful disciples of his. Os Guinness points to this pathway to heart inspiration, remembering his call. To those whose spiritual life has grown stale, whose spiritual tanks are on E, Guinness asks, do you have a reason for being a focused sense of purpose in your life? Or is your life the product of shifting resolutions and the myriad poles of forces outside yourself? Do you want to go beyond success to significance? Then listen to Jesus of Nazareth. Answer his call. Do you want to know a truth that in the momentous challenge of our modern world will be at once a question to inspire you, an anchor to hold you fast, rich sustenance to nourish you, and a relationship you will prize above all others? Then listen to Jesus of Nazareth. Answer his call. Do you want the best and most wonderful gifts God has given you to decay, spent on your own self? Or do you want them set free to come into their own as you link your profoundest abilities with your neighbor's need and the glory of God? Then listen to Jesus of Nazareth. Answer his call. Do you want to accept a challenge that will be the integrating dynamic of your whole life? One that will engage your loftiest thoughts, your most dedicated exertions, your deepest emotions, all your abilities and resources to the last step you take and the last breath you breathe? Then listen to Jesus of Nazareth. Answer his call. To summarize this episode, despite our constant failures, disheartening circumstances, and prayers that seem unanswered, our motivation to follow Christ is set ablaze the more we remember that our Christian life is a response to Jesus' call. He did not choose everyone to be his followers, but he did choose us. Every day matters when we remember it is a day to love Jesus well and to abide in his love a day to grow more like Jesus in our heart attitudes, and a day to seek to bring about Jesus' agenda of wholeness and righteousness in every sphere of life where we have influence. But the fire of our passion for this mission smolders when it gets buried under the constant activities of life. Those embers need to be continually stoked by shutting out the constant noise of the outer world and hearing the quiet voice of the Master breathing fresh oxygen on those embers by reminding us, I am the one who has called you. Follow me. For further prayerful thought, number one, what stood out to you about disciples being called by Christ? See your show notes for additional questions. Today's podcast, as all podcasts are, is available in print format on my website, forgingbonds.org. Next week, we continue our series, Christ's Compelling Mission for Us, by examining our call to Christ, asking, how do I better fill my soul with Christ's love 
so I can succeed at loving those I'm supposed to. If this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission from Christ by inspiring them each week while they commute or work out.